Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Oh, man, guitars are in on the new recording, Wendy. Yeah, they are. They're, they're starting to sound like real songs. And then we're going to be in and we're going to do our vocals on Saturday. And I'm excited about that. Anyway, yeah. new new songs for everybody. That's always, um, that just gives me, you know, chills and the whole deal. I get a, my heart starts racing a little bit. Like I'm like, because I'm in love with the music. <laughs> yeah, me too. And it's so fun to hear the songs like start to come to life. I mean, to come to the life of a fully produced song. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's nice to hear because a lot of the, I'm, when I listen to the demos of some of the songs, I'm like, oh, that's where I made the mistake or oh, that's where I just looped something. So to hear something full um, that is that is badass and that's exciting. So we got guitars in and uh, new music um, just coming soon. And that's just March 17th, we're going to launch it. And that's not, I mean, it's not just new music on March 17th. That's because, right. Because something else happens on March 17th. What else goes what? on? Oh, man, I'm so excited. We're doing our first See You on the Other Side live broadcast event. That's right. St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so it's going to be full of green beer and festive. No, it's probably not full of green <laughs> it's, beer. It's, it's, but we'll it's, have to bring, bring, you'll have to bring your leprechaun hat. I, I might bring my leprechaun hat. He's got hat. an awesome leprechaun hat. So here's what we're doing. We are doing live See You on the Other Side broadcasts and slash acoustic sunspot performances on the way down to South by Southwest this year. So, um, and then I think we, you know, we could do some Q and A and stuff cause we were doing some broadcasting from the van too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Definitely. So, People can uh, check in on us as we're driving and whatnot. Yeah. And then we keep can, us company on the road. And that we can do some call ins and talk about that, too. Like if people have stories, because I've already been getting on Twitter, people have stories that they want to share. Oh, that's awesome. And they it, yeah. m- it might not fit into like a um, a proper episode. Yeah. The usual kind of episode where we have mm-hmm. themes and stuff like that. But it, it definitely might. Uh, we, we could work for, a, you know, uh, a Q&A kind of session and talk to some people and Alton, Illinois. So in St. Louis, the St. Louis metro area, um, it's got a ton of haunted stories. And we're going to be at a place called Mavis Coffee in a haunted building. Oh, really? Yes. In a haunted building in Alton, Illinois. And we're going to be interviewing Alton haunted history expert Luke Nelaborski. Okay. Yeah. And awesome. Uh, he's, he does the tours and stuff like that for the Alton Hauntings ghost tours. So he really knows a lot about that area and the history and the yeah oh yeah he's a, he's an absolute expert on it so it's gonna, i can't wait to talk to him and it's gonna be <laughs> fun to do a live thing and, and play some it will. live songs and everything because we don't know like who knows what's gonna happen we've never done this before and i'm already kind of uh freaking out about right. the technical aspect right. so, the, so we haven't even right we haven't even figured this out yet but we've done we've done live broadcasting before yes and we've done plenty of live performances right and we're not idiots and- so I think we'll be able to pull this. We'll, I I believe we'll be able to pull it together. So that's exciting. So, um, not only so it's it's also Ben's birthday on March seventeenth. That's and, right. Yeah. And Ben's not going to be there for our, our first couple live shows, but he's going to be down there in Austin with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll be just it'll be a lot of celebrations launching on St. Patrick's Day this that's year. That's right. And we will we will 
as we near that date, we'll, we'll give you all the information for uh, where to go if you live in Alton and also um, where you can catch it online. Yep. You can listen, so. listen live. You can pick it up later. And uh, also, you know, I'd like to thank everybody who's coming to visit us for the new reviews and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's been wonderful to see. Yeah, that that really that really has been. We, Thank you, friends. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna we're gonna auto tune the reviews <laughs> coming soon, it, so you'll have something fun to listen to. That's right. Yeah, and um, the reviews are really nice, and we were able to hit our goal for February of four new reviews in iTunes. So um, I think we're getting some new listeners, and I think you guys are helping us out with that a lot by by having those reviews, so people can find the podcast. So thank you so much, and. Um, yeah, also, I've been I've been bugging people on I've been going I've no I've been going to meet new people on Twitter. You and the were thing a stalker. Is, no, there's so many people into paranormal stuff. So I've been going on there. I've been uh, just listening to what people had to say. I've been finding ideas for new topics, and I've oh, been that's great. you know I've been meeting a ton of new people on Twitter and just going in because before I would just kind of use Twitter to make sarcastic remarks that I didn't want my mother to read because she reads Facebook. She's on Facebook, yeah. Because, you, you, know, okay. you, you know, I can't be as vulgar on Facebook because I'm like, ah, mom's going to see it. And I mean, I'm still pretty vulgar, but I, I want to be a little bit less because I'll hear about it at Christmas and I want to hear about it at Christmas. So uh, Twitter was the place where it's just like you could let it all hang out. Yeah. Um, but now you found you you're trying I'm to actually use Twitter for other found things. A reason for well, meet and talk to new people and stuff like that. And That's it had, nice. really has been a great resource of finding writers and uh, people who are interested in the paranormal and people that have stories themselves. Um, well, I'm gonna have to try that because um, that's that's great to meet new people and anybody who has met Mike on Twitter recently. Hello and welcome and thanks for listening. Yeah, no, come say go say hi to Sunspot Wendy at Sunspot yeah, Wendy to too. And uh, no, but what, what some things I like, you know, some things that are interesting is that, um, you know, we're talking about going to Austin and I'm looking for some people to interview when we're in Austin this year or like a haunted location or, you know, a place that has some kind of urban legend associated with it. And Texas is full of people that believe in paranormal stuff. Ooh. Yeah. And well, we, we know a little bit about that from one of our trips down there. Yes, we do. No, we, we, we went down to try to... To try to see if those little hands really did push the bus across the tracks in San Antonio. Yeah, and so we we made our own little paranormal voyage. I f- almost forgot about that. Yeah, I, I our friend Vic had reminded me about that when I was asking him if he he's from Austin, and I was asking if he knew of any good sites or good stories around there. And he told, said, "Oh, San Antonio." And I said, "Funny you should mention that because uh, we took the van down there, and there's there's a legend that uh, there's railroad tracks where I guess a school bus was hit a long time ago, and a bunch of children um, died there. And if you if you, if you park your vehicle on the railroad tracks, what happens? The little ghost children push your car off of the tracks. So, and there's little handprints on your." on your bumper and that's really nice i mean they're helpful <laughs> ghosts but i think I the, the creepiest part about that is that the streets surrounding yes. the railroad tracks all have the first names of children it gives me the goosebumps just thinking about that right yeah. now because i remember we were we were having trouble finding the actual location of the railroad tracks yeah and then once and you find the brad and emily street you know you're in the right location Yeah, like the corner of you know susan louise and bobby Joe or whatever, and it's like oh Bobby Joe getting into the Texas stereotypes <laughs> there. Bobby hey. Joe, that's where she was. It was just the first thing that came to mind. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm on a tangent. But I, I see you're, you're right there. I mean, that was one example. But 
I'll be interested in hearing the other Texan stories. And maybe while we're down there, we can check some of those out. Yeah, we're excited about that. So um, that's the good news. Everything, we're having a lot of fun and everything's going really well. New music, live podcast, meeting new friends and really getting into it. And just real quick, we do have another live podcast also on the 18th, which will be in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I just have to mention this because we're, we're going to talk with this really cool woman, uh, Linda Howell of Haunted Little Rock. And she, she leads this haunted evening tour there. And she knows a ton about the history and the ghost stories and just a, a great person to talk to. So I'm, I'm excited for her to share some of that with us while we're in Little Rock, because I don't know that much about Little Rock, but no. apparently there's a ton of old buildings that have many stories that go with them so great i mean i know yeah. i we've played in little rock a couple of times and i know that's the capital of arkansas uh, but beyond that we don't know any haunted history yet and we're going to change that on march 18th correct mundo so uh that's the good news we should probably get to the sad Man. news that happened oh. and uh that's on friday february 27th uh we lost you know, probably, um, you know, one of the greatest science fiction uh, movie and TV icons of our age. Uh, prolific. Yeah, completely prolific. Uh, Leonard Nimoy. And so we decided right away that we wanted to make this episode of See You on Their Side, a, a tribute to Leonard Nimoy. And, and we pushed off the topic uh, uh, that we were going to do for next week because... I mean, he really, the kind of stuff that we do, he really was a, like a giant in the field. Yeah, he sure was. And uh, we were talking about this a little before the recording here, but it is so interesting that the guy, you know, he, he got the role as Spock and it kind of, you wonder how it almost like took took over the person, you know, because mm-hmm. being so involved in a science fiction um, series like that and then... And then everybody recognized you as Spock. And it's like, it's almost like he became, <laughs> he was no longer Leonard Nimoy, but he was because he was so prolific and he had so many other things that he did. Um, but I just found that interesting. Well, he was really from a different time. Like we think about TV stars and movie stars now and, you know, it's the breaking of the culture, you know, like you think about the popularity of TV shows today, and, and I mean, maybe the number one show on television gets 20 million viewers, but usually not. You know, usually it's a lot less. And maybe American Idol gets 20, you know, 20 some million viewers. And back in the, you know, the 60s um, and the 70s, that number of viewers was not was not weird for most television shows really. So there was a monoculture at the time and Star Trek hit the right place at the, at the right time. It was just a completely different kind of era where, um, you know, we make fun of, you know, people for, you know, uh, I guess they would make fun of for being geeks or whatever, but, you know, knowing that tens of millions of people watch the TV show. It's certainly different than today where we have, you know, fandom goes into niches. Right. You know, I mean, even even if the people that liked science fiction in the 1960s were a smaller part of the population than the general population, it still wasn't like furries. <laughs> you know, and no, nothing wrong with furries. I love furries. They're great. You know, I, I think they're great. You know, speaking of furries, um, oh, my cat's name is Mr. Spock. So that's right. I forgot your kitty. Oh, yeah. So my cat's name is Mr. Spock. And uh, so, 
you know, he really he really did embody that character up to the point with that. Um, you know, he uh, he had to write an autobiography called I Am Not Spock in the mid 1970s. Yeah, that's kind of did you happen to read that or know anything about the I I read parts of it like 20 years ago, like because he also Mm -hmm. came out with one in the 90s said that I am Spock, like the updated version. Yeah. So because I I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that was the beginning. So the 1970s really is the beginning of our modern uh, geek culture kind of thing. So that's when you start having Star Trek conventions. That's when you start having fan clubs. People, cons. You know, yeah, cons. People dressing up like the characters. Um, you know, I mean, I have three Star Trek uniforms. So much fun. You know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I borrowed one of yours once. That's right. You know, I've got like the doctor. I've got the captain. Just in case, do I want to play doctor tonight? <laughs> you never know or which do, one. Or do I want to be in charge? Um, but that's the thing. So that was really the beginning of the culture. So, um. You know, that's where, and also actors at the time, there was just, there was also a different relationship with the fans. You know, today they go there, they make 25 or $50 a signature. Conventions are a way to make a lot of money for a lot of these actors, especially for guys that haven't had a job since the 1980s. Right. And, and so back then it just wasn't, it was like, well, we're not, you know, we're artists. We're not going to go to these conventions. We're not going to do these things. They, it, it was treated in a different way than it is now. And so when you, when you talk about how Leonard Nimoy was so associated with the character, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think partly because that so many Americans had watched Star Trek, even if it wasn't successful enough to renew after the third season, um, it was still, I mean, it would be considered wildly successful today. And I, I think we've seen that in that um, everybody knows who these guys are. Right. You know? Like you can say, even people who aren't into science fiction know, right? You know, everybody knows pointed ears. They know the live long and prosper salute, and yes. you know, and that's one thing when you talk about being embodied by a character. Like Leonard Nimoy brought pieces of his own life into Mister Spock into the show, which is so cool. And I think maybe even a little vice versa too. Right, <laughs> the character seeped into his life. I'm sure. Well, so. Um, so the Vulcan salute, you know, and everybody talks, I'm, I'm making, I know this is an audio podcast. I'm doing the Vulcan salute into the camera over Skype now. Like but it, if you, if you don't know what it is, just, um, you know what it is. Right. You know what it is. <laughs> and you know, I remember being a kid and you would try it. And I think this is kind of a universal thing for a lot of, a lot of kids who we watch, we grew up watching the TV show is you, you work on it so you can do it. But he, I mean, Leonard Nimoy invented the Vulcan salute. And I he, didn't know that. I, I just, you know, I assumed it was something written into the script. He based it on <laughs> the priestly blessing that was performed by the Jewish priests. Um, and they would do one, you know, they would connect. They would connect their fingers. They would join two hands doing the Vulcan salute at the thumbs. And that represented the Hebrew letter Shin, which okay. has three upward strokes similar to the position of the thumb and fingers in the salute. And mm-hmm. that letter stands for El Shaddai, which means God. As well as uh, shalom, which is like the Hebrew hello, goodbye, you know, peace. It's mm-hmm. the aloha of Hebrew. Yeah. And uh, so that's, you know, he saw that when he was a kid, when his grandfather took him to the Orthodox synagogue. And so now you know, the live long and prosper Vulcan salute. Um, and, you know, and he, that, well, you talk about the character seeping in to him, uh, Leonard Nimoy would sign all of his tweets with an LLAP at the end. That's cool. 
So obviously, you know, he gets so, uh, I mean, he's so associated and, and he was, you know, we'd always mm. think of him and, and you would get ex- excited. And, you know, I think this is a good way to put it. Um, when we talk about, you know, uh, Star Trek is that, you know, William Shatner has been with us. He'll probably never die, you know, <laughs> but also William Shatner, like he's great and he's fun and we all love, we all love him. <laughs> Um, but he's almost a parody of himself, you know, like yeah. William Shatner is, you know, a parody and uh, he plays it up and that's his character now. I mean, they're both, William Shatner's 83 too. So what? Yeah. They're both, you know, like William Shatner's 83. That's amazing. He was at, um, and he's been wearing, Madison... he's been wearing a toupee, I think since he was 33. Wasn't he at the Madison Comic-Con or am I imagining that? No, he was at the Madison Comic-Con. Cause I thought I saw some of our friends had pictures like posting with him mm-hmm. and i thought that's so cool for a guy of his you know level of fame and everything to to still be that dedicated to the, yeah. the fans right i and mean that's not even a huge con really as no, far as not at all they go and but it's awesome because i mean william shatner um i mean he does a lot of these things for charity he does a lot of wonderful things with his horses for charity and uh anyway we'll we'll eventually have to do a tribute to william shatner but not today um, and that's right. Yeah. Wait, let's get back on track here. But you so know, so, so William Shatner, he's a care. I mean, he's a character in his own right. You know, he's a character of a 1960s television star. Um, and, and that character is played out to being an action star in the eighties and being a ridiculous character and Boston public. Or oh, Boston I love Legal. that show so much. Yeah. And he was great. <laughs> so on funny. It. And, but Leonard Nimoy was just felt more serious. Like Leonard Nimoy wasn't a joke. You know, or wasn't his presence wasn't funny, right? And so, you know, and and the, a lot of the other Star Trek actors, like they, you know, they're great, but they didn't have they didn't get parts in anything afterwards. Mm, yeah, you know, and um, or they didn't have as high profile parts. I know I'm sounding tough on the Star Trek act, but like I should. Feel yeah, sorry. you are. They are sorry pretty. for these guys, but um, you know. They didn't get the kind of they weren't the same kind of high profile characters that William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy were after Star Trek. And so so Leonard Nimoy, I mean, he once he kind of embraced the character and stuff like that, you know, afterwards, like he did some things and, and he was absolutely a pioneer in the kind of things that we're doing today. So, you know, uh he even had a top hundred like he had songs that made the top hundred, so <laughs> Leonard Nimoy was a hit maker. That's amazing. He, what he released five albums. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, like, and it's funny because the first one was like, I got it here. Uh, Mr. Spock's music from outer space. <laughs> yeah, so he did, and, and this is one of the great things about the synergy of the studios and, and the recording science labels. fiction themed songs. You know, where he sings as Spock. So he's like, already the crossover is, is you know, he's living as the character in, in another format, another genre there. Yeah, and, and and he had hits. Like, I mean, not huge hits, you know, but he's still, it's Mr. Spock singing I Walk the Line. It's, you know, it, it's Mr. <laughs> Spock singing Proud Mary in that barit- deep, deep baritone Mr. Spock voice. And don't forget about... The ballad. We will not forget. And this, and this is the one I remember when this video resurfaced, like, you know, when the, uh, 10 years, maybe less than 10 years ago, um, the ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. When YouTube, when you, 
people were starting to upload things to YouTube that were like old. And that is the most ridiculous <laughs> so of any of his things. Like Ballad of Bilbo Baggins is Mr. Spock at his most ridiculous and Leonard Nimoy doing something. But the thing is, so we talk about the stuff that we do on the show, on this show right here. We like to talk about paranormal stuff. We like to write songs about with weird themes and science fiction and the occult and stuff like that. And Leonard Nimoy was had us beat by 50 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean... Not only with the music, but um, the, in the writing. Um, but so he produced several what, movies, television shows. Yeah. Well, so one of his, so he was on the um, Star Trek animated series, which in the, in the early 1970s. So that was the Star Trek animated series was kind of like the fourth season of Star Trek. <laughs> and, but all the actors returned to it. William Shannon did. That's awesome. Leonard Nimoy did. Like it was awesome. And I've seen them all. And, uh, they're of varying quality, I believe. Like some some Star Trek fans will swear by it. I won't, but I will say there's some good imagination in it. Okay. But also his, you know, he he goes to Mission Impossible for a couple of years and does an action thing. He's a master of disguise on Mission Impossible. But then in 1973, he makes a TV pilot called Baffled, and he's a stars as a race car driver who uh, has a psychic vision and crashes his car. Then he teams up with an occult believer, and they're thrust into a satanic adventure. And so his next... Boy, he's really covering a lot of ground there with the the paranormal and the... Satan, believer in the occult, you know, the whole thing. So, you know, his his next thing that he's going to star as is going to be a paranormal TV show, and that doesn't go too far. Um, But he does... Uh, he what does go far is he's the host of one of the first shows, and, and now we're used to all these kind of documentaries about, um, you know, ghost stories and ancient aliens and um, Easter Island and all those kind of things, and we're used to it because the History Channel is full of them. The, right, the yeah, hist- a quote unquote History <laughs> Channel is full, or the Travel Channel. Yeah, that's you know, right. Visiting places like Stonehenge. But, I mean, so his show he hosted was In Search Of. And, um, you know, he, he was just the voice. And I remember as a kid, I would see, you know, when it first was on, uh, I was a little too young. So I caught it in the reruns. Okay. But, um, yeah, In Search Of was Mr. Spock talking about Easter Island, talking about the pyramids, talking about Eric Von Daniken's Chariots of the Gods. Th- those kind of things were really exciting. So he was he was bringing to light, talking about those kind of uh, paranormal mysteries, unexplained phenomena, as he <laughs> liked to put it, um, that we talk about in this show, and that shows like Coast to Coast and a million other podcasts talk about. And and he really, you know, he was the voice of that, and that was always ex- that was always exciting. Yeah. It gave well, it- and it's. It's a host with a, a personality, you know, a character that you trust. <laughs> you, you feel like you know him already because he's Mr. Spock. Yeah. So you're going you're gonna to listen to him carefully. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was the thing. Like, that gave it some kind of credibility. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I used to watch That's Incredible, too. And That's Incredible was a great show. Uh, no, it wasn't a great show. But when I was five, it was a great show. But That's Incredible had, like... Fran Tarkenton, who was the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, talking about werewolves and stuff like that. Fran Tarkenton's a cool guy. 
you know, but I don't, he doesn't have that credibility that Mr. Spock has right. when you're talking about paranormal stuff. And so in search of really um, meant a lot, you know, that was, that, that was one of those shows. That's cool. I wonder, are those on uh, Netflix or anything like that? You know, I'm not sure. The last time I saw them was when they were being repeated on the sci-fi channel in the 1990s. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe so on YouTube. I'll have to do some searching because I'd be curious. There's probably a bunch out there, and I'm sure there's a, there's a bunch on YouTube, too. But, you know, the quality is always from somebody's 1980s VHS. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's true. But, um, and, and the, you know, going back real quick to a couple more things about, you know, Mr. Spock that... It's really talked about how he um, he helped develop the character was, you know, something that I almost forgot about. When everybody was doing the Vulcan salute, I'm like, oh, man, yeah, the Vulcan salute, live long and prosper, man. Oh, yeah. And then I forgot about the Vulcan nerve pinch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, man, right. And nobody's, talk, nobody's talking about that. Like when we were kids, like everybody tried the Vulcan nerve pinch right. on somebody at least once. And you thought it was, re- you know, like, when you're a kid, you're like, I bet I can do this. I man. can do it if I just try really hard and focus. <laughs> yeah, like I can make this happen. Well, he's the guy. He suggested it because they were looking for a way that Mr. Spock could incapacitate somebody in a nonviolent manner. Like without a, I mean, I, oh, I guess cool. a nerve okay. pinch is still pretty, you're still knocking a dude out. But it's not a gun and it's not like... Like clobbering somebody or, you know. Yeah, I mean, Captain Kirk, <laughs> William Shatner, he'd use his fists, you know, and... um. Yeah, that wouldn't really be in line with the, the Spock like philosophy. It, well, it wouldn't be vo- logical to just use emotional right. violence. I mean, those are the things. Like when you think about, we talk about the salute, we talk about the nerve pinch. We're talking about the whole idea of you know logical, fascinating, um, all those all those things that made the character so great and what he brought to the character and that he that he brought a lot of himself to it. Um, I think you know one of the funniest things is there's an episode of Star Trek called Mirror Mirror. Where they go to this, they go to this parallel universe, where instead of the Federation being uh, a, a force for good in the universe, the Federation is like an ancient Rome. It's like a conquering, uh, you know, it's like a conquering mm. empire. You know, I think they call it the Terran Empire in it. And you know, Mister S- and, and like uh, William Shatner, Captain Kirk, he gets stuck in the mirror universe, and he's got to you know find a way back. And the evil Mr. Spock has a goat has a goatee. <laughs> right. Was that the first advent of that? Yeah, that's the, the like, like that's goatee the, being the bad bad evil version of the person. Yeah, that's how you show <laughs> that's how you show somebody like the guy's twin brother. Oh, he's evil. Why? Because he's got a goatee. And it's Mr. Spock with that Van Dyke goatee that just um that's great. I mean, that's just what makes the character evil. And so when you think about all of these tropes, um, uh, cliche, you know, a trope is a cliche. It's something that's been done over and over again. It's, it's it's shorthand. So when you think of the word trope, think of like, if you see something quickly, it's it's shorthand for for what it means. So many of our uh, symbols have come from Star Trek, and so many of those symbols have come directly from Leonard Nimoy playing Mister Spock. It's so cool, and you know, and you think how he has influenced pop culture. Um, it's, it's amazing. And, and I think you can see that when you talked about, uh, people's, um, tributes, 
you know, oh, yeah. tributes to him. I mean, the, the president says something right away, like oh right gosh. away on Friday. He got, yeah. You know, in 2000, I had a chance to meet Leonard in person. It was only logical to greet him with the Vulcan salute, the universal sign for live long and prosper. Um, and, and just, I mean, so right away. So wonderful. <laughs> he gets something from the president, you know, and the director of the new Star Trek, J.J. Abrams, who's now working on Star Wars. Uh, he said, dearest Leonard, what a man you were, what a life you lived, as funny and thoughtful and generous and loving as you were talented. You taught Aww. us all at every encounter, and we will miss and love you forever. Oh, yeah. there, there was a really neat one that I saw online. Um, some fans in Atlanta, I believe it was, uh, bought a billboard, and it's just a picture of Spock with the... Um, Vulcan the, salute? Yeah, the Vulcan salute, and... And it just says it's it's all black and black and white, and it just says he did, period. Oh, that is that good. Me up, just <laughs> that's a good one. Um, and I like those those. I just think that's a neat way to for people to express their you know appreciation of the guy to remember the man and all the fun stuff that he did for us. You know, and I uh, you know I'm looking over uh, some of the other tributes, and I I just I love them. Um, I mean, Kevin Smith takes uh, Kevin Smith, the director of Clerks and um, Dogma and a whole bunch of 90s movies that we all love. (laughs) He writes in, uh, of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. And that's the um, that's the speech that Captain Kirk gives at the end of Star Trek Two, because at the end of Star Trek Two. Uh, Mr. S- Mr. S- I don't mean to spoil this for a 33-year-old 30, movie. Uh, Mr. Spock dies at the end of Star Aww. Trek 2. And so that was, and there was a real emotional, touching. like Scotty plays Amazing Grace on the bagpipes oh as gosh. they shoot, the, oh, yeah, they shoot right. the body out to space. It's, and yeah. we had like free, um, my mom got like free drive-in tickets that summer that Star Trek, <laughs> that Star Trek 2 and Rocky 3 were out. Okay. And so I think I saw Whoa. Star Trek two at the drive-in like That's five, awesome. like three times, five <laughs> times. Like we, just, and then over the course of the years, I've seen it, you know, forever. And, um, and uh, Seth MacFarlane, the guy that he does, Family Guy. Um, he's also in that horrible Ted movie, but uh, he's funny <laughs> on Family Guy. He's funny. He, yeah, he is funny. He is funny. Talented singer too. He, Leonard Nimoy brought us one of the greatest, noblest characters in the history of American storytelling. Someone find the Genesis planet. So that was in Star Trek three. The body of Spock lands on the Genesis planet, oh. and the Genesis the Genesis planet re, restarts his body because it's uh, it was created to they they created this de- Genesis device that could turn a dead planet into a living one that could that's create so cool. life on a planet. And so that's 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 how Mister Spock comes back in Star Trek three. The search for Spock. Um, the gen and that was my tweet too. Yeah, I saw that. That was someone get the nice. body of Leonard Nimoy to the Genesis planet immediately. Oh, and so it, you know, it got a few retweets, but not the you know not the twelve thousand that Seth MacFarlane got. <laughs> but you know, we'll keep working on it. That's right. That's um, right. what about the uh, the Canadian tribute? Oh, that's great. The public, uh, I I love this one because this is like an anonymous kind of artistic thing to do. So Canadian's $5 bill features a large image of their prime minister, Sir Wilfrid Laurier. And the note is a shade of blue that's incredibly close to Mr. Spock's Star Trek uniform. So 
Canadian Design Resource was a website for Canadian designers, and they sent out a tweet that urged Canadians (laughs) to spock their $5 bills by taking a pen and by just doing a few... Modifying. A a few things. You add in the the eyebrows. You... uh, The pointy ears. Add in some pointy ears, and then you put in the bangs, the Mr. Spock bangs, and a little Star Trek insignia on the uh, collar, and it's called Spockin' Your Fives. Which is just, I think that's so sweet. Even though it's vandalizing currency, I mean... Right, it's just currency. touching way to, to like, you know, because that'd be neat. You get your change, you're buying something, you get your change, and then you, you oh, there's Spock. Right, that's an awesome... I he lives on. He lives on in our money. In our pocketbooks. Well, in the, in the Canadian money, but, you know, <laughs> the little dollars. Yes, and I love right. it. And so if you are Canadian, we encourage you to Spock your fives. Yeah, I wish I wish they could. We, we need to find a, a U.S. currency that we can Spock. Yeah, no. It's the wrong we, color, but. But Andrew Jackson's it. pretty lanky. Like it might be some work, but Andrew Jackson, I bet we could do. You know, we talk about Star Trek 3. Um, Star Trek 3, the search was, that was the first movie he directed. Okay. And. And then he directed, I mean, Star Trek Four, which is probably the best of the original cast movie Star Treks. He was Star Trek Four is when they go back to 1986, um, and uh, they go back, they travel, and they save the whales in 1986. Right. And I remember that was um, my birthday present from my godfather was, you know, I'll take you to a movie. That's and nice. Star Trek Four was, the, I knew exactly what movie <laughs> I wanted to see. I was like, cool. well, I'm, let's go see Star Trek Four. And uh, he directed that the best of the, the best of the Star Trek movies, and you know, the reason we want to talk about his directing career. First of all, I mean he directed some good movies, but second of all, he was the director of Three Men and a Baby. I I had no idea. Yeah, and so you remember? I don't know if you remember Three Men and a Baby, Wendy. I sure do. Ted Danson. Yeah, and Tom, uh, who's Tom, Tom Selleck at the yeah. height of his studliness? <laughs> Who was the other dad? Steve. Well, Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, no, okay. Steve Gutenberg, he was in Short Circuit, he was in Cocoon. Steve Gutenberg oh, was a big, big 80s st- 80s movie guy. Yeah, like if you once you see him you'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's a Police Academy." What am I talking about? Steve oh, Gutenberg okay. was the lead in Police Academy and they gotcha. loved everybody loved Steve Gutenberg in the 80s. <laughs> and I always thought he was funny too, but then I mean his mojo died or whatever and, and that's that's too bad, but uh he was one of the three men in the Three Men and a Baby. That's right. Okay, but the reason we want to talk about that movie is not just because it made me laugh a lot in 1987, and because Leonard Nimoy directed it, it's or be- produced it, produced. No, he was the director. Like he okay. was, he was the he. We call he was the unofficial fourth man. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the thing is, is that I remember in the 90s when people were renting Three Men and a Baby, there was a story about a ghostly figure appearing in the background in one of the scenes. Mm-hmm. And it looks like you can see a boy right behind a curtain. Oh, yeah. In, in one of the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And the story was that it's it was weird. a ghost of a boy who'd committed suicide. Oh, my gosh. And um, the gun that he had committed suicide with is in the movie, too. And then, you know, everybody heard about it. And, and people oh, would so rent strange. people would rent three men and a baby just to say, like, oh, my God, there's proof of ghosts. Oh, my gosh. Right here. Cool. Um, and this was before the Internet, you know. And, and before, Yeah, you didn't have 800, like, screen captures to look at to just be like, 
Google three men and a baby ghost. Right. You had to, you had to watch the movie. You had, you had to, to pa- go to the video it. store. Yeah. You had to pause it at the right spot. Just like that scene in uh, basic instinct where Sharon Stone uncrosses her legs and you had to hit it at the right like. spot. But with the VHS, you, you couldn't, you didn't get a clear picture anyway. So you no. get that little like jiggly kind of. Yeah. That pause was useless. Yeah, it was rubbish. Um, but he, but still, so you could kind of see that I did it, like, because one of my friends had it on video, I think. Yeah, and were you convinced? Well, it looked like, I mean, I was convinced that there was a picture of somebody there. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at the screen captures right now, and it, yeah, there's no doubt. There's so a kid there. that's the thing, but the, here's the real story. That's just an urban legend. Oh. The real story is <laughs> that um, it wasn't shot in a house where a kid had killed himself. It was shot it was- in... Toronto in a studio shot in Toronto at a studio and what and you're somebody's s- little brat snuck in on the set no that would have been better you're seeing a cardboard cut out of t- Ted Danson what so it's it's a cardboard cut out of Ted Danson that was a prop no. for the movie and I think I remember in the movie like Ted Danson like Ted Danson plays an actor like a famous actor as one of you know and so that's the it's <laughs> really like, funny it, it probably was the cardboard cut out for the movie okay yeah, and the hair does kind of have the same shape now that I'm now that I'm looking at it again with that knowledge. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's that's what people are seeing. So the, is there a ghost in the oh. Mr. Spock directed Three Men and a Baby? Um the only ghost is Steve Gutenberg's career. Oh man. Mwah, 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 mwah. That was hey. really like this this whole topic is really kind of hilariously tangential to our... That, that was just a set... The whole topic is the setup for that joke. That was nice, Mike. Nicely done. I didn't okay. even see it coming. No. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, but that's the thing. So his directorial career... I mean, Mr. Spock, he directed his first thing as an episode of Night Gallery about vampires. Cool. Um, yeah. That, Night Gallery was Rod Serling's show after The Twilight Zone. And so oh, it was a okay. similar kind of thing. It was a, but I mean, they would feature stories from people like H, like adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft, and um, so, and oh, Richard Matheson, who who wrote a lot of great horror, I Am Legend, and stuff like that. Um, he was also one of the writers. But anyway, um, his fir- he cut his teeth on genre television. So, you know, just going over a little bit of the stuff he did, um, he also started doing story, uh, doing a show about paranormal research in the 1990s called Ancient Mysteries. So he did it man, again. Man, oh man, he's just yeah. got so many things. He's, he's got a 1,000 credits. You know, he really does. He was in a lot of things, and he re- really related to the things that he loved, we love. I mean, he was a pioneer. Um, I think his last great role was on Fringe. And we talked about Fringe in the episode on LSD. That's right. Yes, we did. Because the, the character Walter Bishop's always doing LSD and trying to get people into different states. Mm-hmm. And so he had a, he has this uh, researcher that he always talks about working with that, that betrayed him. He's always mad about this researcher betraying him named William Bell. And it goes all the way, um, the very last episode of the first season, you finally meet William Bell. Cool. And it's... Leonard Nimoy. Mr. Spock. Yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah. And that was That's the thing. Awesome. Like, what that, a great... What a great like finale. Yeah, and, and it was a great show, and it was a good way because he was really a, a big character on the show, um, and that was a good way uh, for Mr. Spock to, to end it. And, uh, you know, I, I, when we look at our, you know, our, some of the things that just my friends on the Facebook wall 
Oh, you know, I know. I realize how, you know, how much that, uh, and it's probably just because the people we hang around with, Wendy. It could be, but I mean, it was pretty pervasive. Like my entire Facebook timeline was all Spock. Yeah. With a couple, with a couple of blue and black, gold and white dresses interspersed yeah, in there. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, right, the blue, let's, we'll talk about that when we talk about <laughs> mysteries of the brain. Ooh. But as far as, you know, just uh, I remember put, I put some on my Facebook wall and everybody just, you know, they show what it, it, that character and that actor meant to him. And, you know, you can see that you look at our, our friend uh, Andy has a picture of, you know, his dad dressed as Mr. Spock in the That's early so 70s. It's That's a beautiful, adorable. It's a beautiful one. And um, I mean, that goes to show kind of how that character, you know, Mr. Spock was half human, half Vulcan. He was a little different. And he really stood for people um, who were a little bit different, who didn't feel like they fit in. And, you know, I mean, because Captain Kirk was like the captain of the football team. You right. Know, he's he like a huge stud. Like the cla- he's always bedding green chicks and, you know, getting it on and looking uh, looking like a stallion. And Mr. Spock was just his buddy, the, like the logical, little different alien friend. And I think that he just, he just meant a lot yeah. uh, to a lot of us. Absolutely, and, for sure. And I, I think that's uh, that just goes to show the power that a really good performance and uh, a really good artist, the power that a really good artist can have on the rest of the world. So definitely. Uh, no, that's you know. And if anybody has any other tributes they want to give to Mr. Spock, let's let us know. We'll talk about it a little bit. But uh, we certainly do miss Leonard Nimoy. Um, but eighty-three years, good, good run. run. It's so prolific. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you can certainly say that the man lived long and he prospered. You know, just no, Indeed. absolute no question about that. That's right. That's right. For our musical tribute to Leonard Nimoy, we wanted to go back to Star Trek V, where his half-brother, Cybok, was looking for Vulcan Heaven. And uh, the name of Vulcan Heaven is Shakari, which actually is a play on Sean Connery, who they originally wanted to play Mr. Spock's half-brother Cybok in the movie. Uh, So that's the name of this track, Mr. Spock Goes to Vulcan Heaven, Shakari. Just a little different And your best friend is your TV You might never be a hero Or get along with your peers But you might learn to be human From a dude with pointy ears Well, the bad guys were always wrong And the good guys always won And we learned how to play the game Now my favorite shows They all star anti-heroes And
his cool when Bones would call him a half-breed And we all tried the nerve pitch on other kids on the playground Till 14 at least I still believe that move could knock you out Damn, in search it was the show that made it cool for you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.